0: This episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Aquarius Home Services and Ace Solid Waste. Are you tired of your job and wish that you could start a new career? Well, now you can. Ace Solid Waste is an award-winning waste management company, and they are looking for people just like you. Ace Solid Waste has over 60 years of experience servicing customers in the Minneapolis metro area, and their company is growing Ace provides themselves on having safe, reliable, friendly, and professional employees that set their team apart. Their talented staff will run you through Ace University and prepare you for the position that best fits your skill sets. From truck driver operator to mechanic, operations to customer service, there is a perfect role at Ace waiting just for you. Plus, you'll receive competitive salary, benefits, and paid vacation Life is short. Don't stay at a job that's not right for you. Experience the ACE difference today. Check them out at acesolidwaste.com. Summer is here and our friends at Aquarius Home Services are celebrating summer in style with a mega sale. Now through August 12th, Aquarius is offering 25% off a whole home Connecticut water treatment system. I have a Connecticut water treatment system in my home and I love it and most importantly, My wife loves it too. So do our kids. Clear, clean, safe drinking water. It's the best. Trust me. Safe, worry-free water is peace of mind. It's also spotless dishes and softer clothes. That's 25% off any new non-electric Connecticut whole home water treatment system. Whether you have city or well water, your independent authorized Connecticut dealer will give you a free water analysis and help you make the best decision for your family. Schedule it today at com. Aquarius Home Services believe in earning the right to be recommended.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast. I am one of your hosts, Natalie Dillon, joined by our secondary host. Just kidding, Travis. Our wow. other e- equal level host, Travis Frank. And we're joined in studio by a guest today, Kristen Glazer, better known as Expedition Kristen. And it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about all things Minnesota weekend getaways. Before we get into that, though, I have to ask you, Travis, you've been up to some adventures again, haven't you? (laughs)
0: Try to always... I'm always up to an adventure of some kind. The last week, I have filmed three different stories for this TV show. And they've all, I think, um, been cool in their own unique way. Uh, I'll start with a sturgeon recovery story. Did you know that you can catch sturgeon right now in western Minnesota?
1: I did not know that.
0: Mm -hmm. There is a very strong population Uh that has returned to the otter tail river chain of lakes, and it flows basically into the Red River. Once upon a time before we altered the flow of the waters out of those that lake chain system, sturgeon would come and go and they would spawn and Mm -hmm. eventually they were over harvested. They were extinct in these waters and the DNR had brought them back right in the mid nineties. They started this program to restock them with some, you know, very small fish, but also a little bit larger ones to have a little bit, you know, different uh, size structure to the population. Mm -hmm. And the recovery has been fantastic. They've, they've allowed the fish with dam removal and the way that they've um, altered just the flow, it allows the fish to be able to migrate through, and it's quite a sight. Um, How
1: big do they get over there?
0: Well, you're gonna have to watch the show oh, to find okay. out. Yeah, because we tease. caught the biggest. So I fish with a couple Did of really? guys that um, they're just multi-specie anglers, mm-hmm. and they love to fish for everything all over the state. But they live up there, and they have found it a lot of fun to target sturgeon. Yeah. And while we were fishing with them, uh, one of them caught the largest one that they had ever caught out of that area.
1: I feel like sturgeon have always had, I've kind of had a little piece of my heart that's belonged to them because I spend a lot of time on the San Croix You're River. You're one with sturgeon? And, well, kind of the opposite. I've okay. grown to love them because as a kid, I remember my older siblings told me that there were sturgeon in the San Croix River that we used to spend a ton of time and, and still do swimming on and you know fishing on, boating on, whatever. And when they told me how big they would get, I think at the time I was told, you know, bigger than you. And I didn't believe it for Mm -hmm. a long time. And then when my parents said, yeah, they are actually in here and they're that big. I've been fascinated and terrified as a kid, grown into fascination. But now, you know, I see out west how, you know, people catch them. It's amazing. Even though you know how big they are Mm -hmm. and they're these just like kind of docile creatures. But they're they're dinosaurs. Gentle
0: giants. Absolutely. They are harmless. They will... They are bottom feeders. Mm-hmm. They To target them, the best approach is to take a big weight and then like a one-foot leader off of that weight and a plain hook and a bunch of night crawlers, mm-hmm. and maybe a minnow or two cut in half for extra scent. Um, I have fished them out west, actually, on the mm-hmm. Snake River in Idaho, and you're talking 10, 12-foot yeah, long yeah. fish, and they're amazing. And it's the same thing out there, night mm-hmm. crawlers and cut-up minnows. And this one guy I fished with, he had this thing it's called the, the big daddy sauce. Mm, and sounds it all was, right. <laughs> yeah, he had his, his own homemade uh, his own jar with mm-hmm. with his bait soaking overnight inside of it. And I don't know what is in it, but you just need something that smells because they've got these tentacles that hang down and it yeah. picks up the smell in the water and it's fascinating. But when you hook into one. There's no other fish in the Midwest that will have the power and the fight that a sturgeon will have. Muskies are, as you know, Mm -hmm. very exciting, but it's intense for a short window. Mm -hmm. Sturgeon are power; it's a marathon and Mm -hmm. it's fun. And it was funny. There was a couple of older gentlemen that pulled up and, um, like, grumpy old man style. Mm -hmm. It was awesome, (laughs) and they even had the hat. You know, like it just Mm -hmm. was perfect. Tossed their anchor out, and they were thirty. 30 yards from us, and we're like, they're totally going to catch one right away because we're waiting for yeah. the camera, you yeah, know. Yeah. Sure enough.
1: Of course. And of he's course. got this
0: old Zebco reel, and this surgeon just goes, goes, and then the reel blows up. And mm-hmm. then a buddy's yelling, at him, I told you you should have <laughs> used my rod because that's how much power it got yeah. away because this reel literally broke right there. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we recorded all that. So cool. that may or may not make the episode. But, yeah, we caught a couple of them. I uh, met with the DNR. He kind of told me the backstory um, and how these fish migrate and what they've done to bring them back. And he's, you know, the DNR that was working on this is just like super pumped because it's been 120 years since a a surgeon has been documented spawning in that system. And they just Mm -hmm. recorded that. And he was there and saw it firsthand. And he videoed it and he gave me the video. So we'll be able to see the first time that's happened in That's just 120 years. That's impressive. And it's one of those great success stories. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be able to tell the story about it. Cool.
1: Look forward to it. Yeah.
0: And then, yeah, fast forward like 48 hours, and I'm on the Mississippi River with um, David Holmes is the captain's name. Young kid out of college started guiding full time, and it kind of reminded me of me a little bit Mm because that's what I did. I started guiding in high school, and I just love when I see – Kids that have that passion and, and chase yeah. it. And he strictly fishes muskies and smallmouth bass on the rivers, the Min- Mississippi and the St. Croix. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he fishes other rivers too, but that's where he guides. And it's a fun day just spending a day in, in his jet boat. Yeah. You know, you're cruising through past big boulders and narrow stretches of the Mississippi River. And you feel like you're, you know, like you're so far removed from anything, but you're right in central Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's just beautiful water, pristine water flowing, and we caught some big bass. Yeah. And um, another great day spent. And then yesterday, I was on Lake Mille Lacs with John Hoyer, who we... Who we just had on the podcast. We just had on the podcast. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated to spend time with anglers that have just, like, a crazy depth to the way that they think. And they think like a fish, and... Um, they can articulate what they're mm-hmm. seeing and why. And now with the technology, I mean, he's got three 12-inch computer screens on the front of his boat, all showing you different information, but you're watching it it's in real time. Mm-hmm. You were just driving until you'd see a fish and be like, that one's bigger. Let's catch that one. And then you cast that and we took turns and it was like sharpshooting. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's... it's a He's on another level. He's on another level. Yeah. And it's so cool to see how much of a different level he's on and yeah. just to uh, um watch just kind of watch sit back and watch I mean it's impressive uh Mille Lacs, obviously everyone knows they're always biting in Malax, mm-hmm. and we caught some very nice walleyes up there too so it was a it was a fun day
1: good another thing that's been on another level is uh my bluegill skills this summer it's blue-gill? been a very it's been a very family-oriented summer for me so I've been spending a lot of time fishing with some young kids and I'm, I'm having a treat catching some little bass, some little bluegill, but hopefully soon here I'll get out for some of the bigger fish. As Looks always, so. when I sit here with you, I'm like, oh, got to get out and keep yeah. doing more. But
0: Yeah, and, and even myself, you know, uh, just getting out locally here in the metro area. Mm-hmm. The fishing has been, I, I feel like every year it gets a little bit better because you learn a little bit more. The technology is a little better. You can find things Way quicker than Mm -hmm. ever before and apply them and in turn catch more fish. And it's been phenomenal fishing in the metro.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Should we talk about summer getaways?
0: Yeah, enough about me. Let's bring <laughs> Kristen into We love show. hearing
1: it. It's mesmerizing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So as we said, we are joined here by Kristen Glazer, who is my friend, too. We actually got to know each other. We were just chatting about it. What, two years ago, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Two or three. And the way that we connected was actually on social media because you reached out to me, but I, I think I'd been already following you at, a time, at the time. Your blog, your social media, you have a huge following and the amount of content that you put out there that's such high quality and is so useful to people who like to just do stuff, get outside, travel in Minnesota in the upper Midwest was definitely inspiring to me. And it's been really cool to continue to see that grow over the years that I've known you and uh, to call you my friend. So good to see you again. Well, thank you. Good to see you too. Yeah. So tell us, you have an interesting story because you have this very Minnesota, upper Midwest oriented blog and social media presence, but you're not from here. So kind of give us an insight of like your, your background. How, where'd you come from and how did this come to be? Yeah, well,
2: I'm from New York originally. I grew up on Long Island. Um, I've been in Minnesota now for 12 years. And I I landed here because my husband is from Minnesota. So we met actually in college um, studying abroad in Spain together. And then I thought, nice guy lives in Minnesota like we're no way we're gonna (laughs) date well nice guy stayed in my life talking for three years (laughs) and yeah eventually I thought okay he's maybe he is a nice guy that's Mm -hmm. worth dating long distance Mm -hmm. and we did long distance from uh, Long Island to Minnesota and then eventually I moved here and I've been here for for 12 years already which is pretty wild
0: what was your perception growing up in New York of Minnesota and why you said I would never move there
2: I, uh, I hate to say it, say it. I just like, didn't know much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the Boundary Waters, never heard of them, mm-hmm. um, never really thought about the great, lake, great Lakes, which I'm currently fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, went fishing for the first time in my life two years ago with, with Natalie. Mm-hmm. So I, I really didn't know a lot about Minnesota and about the, um, the opportunities here to be outside and, and explore.
0: So what did you know then?
2: Uh it was cold. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they like hot dish. <laughs> Both true. <laughs> we know. can stand behind them. Favorite
0: hot dish, Natalie?
1: Well Tater tot I like a like a macaroni and ground okay. beef hot dish, but I mean like I was gonna say tater tot just just because. Just <laughs> to Kristen, go along with the group. Favorite
0: hot dish?
2: Now you know, I actually this is very Minnesotan. I like the chicken and wild rice hot mm, dish. Yeah. That's a good chicken one.
0: Isn't that yeah. chicken and wild rice it's kind of soup? Ca-
2: it's kind of a casserole. Yeah, maybe. It's my Hussan husband sure. makes it as a casserole. Oh, okay. Baked, okay. He Fair bakes far. it and it's excellent.
0: Yeah, hmm. yeah. Travis? TTHD, tater tot hotcakes, Okay, yeah. Uh
1: yeah. TT, oh, got it, I- yep. I'm caught up, I'm caught up. So the cold though, I have to <laughs> say, mm-hmm. which is colder, Long Island or Minnesota? I mean, I oh. know on the, on the thermometer which is colder, but which feels colder? Oh, Minnesota, okay. without okay. a doubt.
2: Yeah, no, Long Island stays pretty mild because of the ocean. Yeah, okay. So um, growing up, I had one white Christmas. It usually would snow around January, start to melt around February. So um, it wasn't bitter, bitter cold like it is here. Mm-hmm. I I don't mind the cold, though, because I did grow up going to Vermont all the time. My parents loved to ski, so that was kind of like our... our big winter holidays. We'd go up there for a week and ski. So I'm used to, you know, having like your scarf get wet and then freeze around your chin mm-hmm. and your fingers are so cold and wearing goggles outside. And I'm, I'm used to that kind of cold, but, but man, Minnesota in February is something different.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so for those listening, tell us a little bit about your uh, adventure into kind of the, the blogging space. And I guess, which yeah. came first, your, your desire to, you know, explore Minnesota and, and learn about it and just kind of adventure, or the blog side of it?
2: Um, the I would say the blog came second. Mm-hmm. I've always been, I always have a curious mind. I love adventure, I love travel. I grew up camping and the ocean was a mile from my home, so like I, I've always loved being outside. Um, but the blog really piqued my interest in exploring Minnesota on like a whole new level. Um, and one of the biggest benefits is that, you know, I've had my blog now for three years. And what I've seen around Minnesota and the Midwest in three years is far more than I saw in, you know, my my prior nine years living here. And even for my husband who grew up here in Minnesota, he had never been north of Duluth. So we went up to Grand Marais and that was his very first time mm-hmm. seeing that he's never been to the Boundary Waters. We're hoping to plan a trip there either this fall or, or next spring. So... The amount that I've seen in the last three years, like is, you know, quadrupled what I had seen yeah. in the previous years.
0: Yeah. So when somebody asks you, Kristen, what do you do? How do you describe your career to them?
2: Well, um, I do have a full time marketing job. OK. So I. I don't buy it.
1: You, the <laughs> amount that you do. I'm always like there's there's a couple of you. There's a couple. But OK, go ahead. I do. <laughs> yes,
2: I do have that. Um, so I've always called this my side hustle. Uh, it has grown over the last three years in ways that I, I uh, haven't imagined and have been really excited about. Um, and it, it started as really just a hobby. It was like just Instagram. It, the idea came out of COVID where I was like, I need something creative to do. And I was just posting photos of hikes, you know, like there was nothing else to do. And that quickly evolved where I realized because of my background in marketing that there was just so much more here than posting pictures on Instagram it could really be a business that I could make money from. And I built my website, I built my newsletter. Uh, I'm fortunate that my dad is a CPA, so he really guided me in the financial piece of it, turned it into an LLC, and really viewed it pretty early on. Like within the six months, I thought, this is, this is a business and I need to view it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part right now of what you do? Either, you know, blog, social media, whatever. What, what's mm-hmm. your favorite part of the, the work that you create? I think my
2: favorite part is kind of going back to what we said in the beginning of this. I didn't know so much about Minnesota and about the Midwest before before I moved here, but even before I started my blog. And there have been so many times where I have gone to places, um, and you know, I'll admit, like I was, I've judged it right before I've even gone there and been like, "This isn't going to be fun. This town might be boring." Mm-hmm. Um, been judgy, which is not fair, and then gone, had an amazing time, and been like, that was the best brewery we've been to, or, like, Mm -hmm. we've had the best pulled pork in middle-of-nowhere random places. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, like, really cool experiences that we would have never encountered on our own if it wasn't for my blog. Yeah.
1: I would ask what, you know, there's... So, well, I can preface this by saying that, Christian and I, we've obviously we've grown a friendship. So we've talked about a lot of this stuff over the years, but I, you know, there's so many people out there that want to do what you're doing, that they want to create blogs, create social media content that, you know, grows, not just for, you know, to to get the followers from it, but that it's content that people really resonate with. And I think that that's something that you've always done from the beginning is what you put out there. It's so tailored towards what's going to, help people? You know, what information do they actually need? It's not just, you can tell that there's so much intention behind it. So if there's anyone listening that hopes to themselves, you know, create a blog or create a social media presence in a similar space and, you know, regional travel or outdoor adventure, do you have any advice that you would give them that, you know, you've learned from your own experience?
2: Yes. And I was just giving someone this advice the other day because it, it can be overwhelming sometimes when you're like, There's so many different things you want to create content about, and there's not enough time in in the day or the week, especially balancing a full time job. Or I don't have kids, but some of my other blogger friends do, and there's just a lot to balance. Mm -hmm. And I always say, uh, do what is sustainable and, and realistic. And that for me, you know, my blog has always been focused on Minnesota mostly. Because that's where I live, and that's Mm -hmm. where I'm exploring. I'm not gonna focus on Europe when I go there once every few years, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So focus on what you do, what's realistic, what makes sense for the time you have, your interests, your budget, and then the followers that you get will share those interests too, because that's authentic content that you're sharing, that you Mm -hmm. know about, and that you're doing on a regular basis. Yeah.
0: How do you keep it personal when there's business expectations put on you.
2: What do you mean by that? Well,
0: like if if you're doing this as a job, you know, and there's a monetary you're once there's money exchanging hands, there's expectations mm-hmm. put on you. But yet you still have to be you to deliver content that is true to you, that is who you are, you know, and um how do you find that balance working with the whole traveling, being you, but yet you're also on the clock for a lot of this, Mm. right?
2: Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. I think for the most part, when I'm working with PR firms or with um, marketing departments that might be internal for a company, they understand that real and authentic content performs best. So I might be given guidelines, but often they'll say, you know, use your own words, turn this into something that feels authentic to you and that would resonate with your followers. i I don't think I've encountered something that's been so rigid where it felt like it totally wasn't me. Um, and if it and if that did happen, maybe like some products just felt really off brand, then I just don't do it because it mm-hmm. it would feel really unnatural um, and really, you know, force and fo- and people see through that. and yeah. and and my whole thing is to be very authentic yeah. and and real in everything yeah. I do.
1: And Good I think you. that comes across because, you, you know, you really take followers on the journey with you. And sometimes it's you alone or sometimes it's, you know, you and, you know, the, the dog and your partner and everything like that or friends. But I think that it's it always feels like it's not you're not just sharing about a place. You're sharing your experience with the place. And I love like the, the, the little things that you choose to highlight, whether it's, you know, a certain spot that you found or a certain, you know, drink or burger, pulled pork, or like you said, it feels very much like it's, you know, we're along there with you. So I think that probably resonates with people.
2: Yeah, I think so. I hope so. And I think the other piece that I love to do is not just talk about like, this is a cool place to get a beer. This Mm -hmm. is a cool Um, restaurant but I love telling people's stories Mm -hmm. so like who started this brewery and why and where did they come up with this name and you know what was their journey to get here and um, I really like meeting people that are behind the business and then sharing their story.
0: So um, give us an example social media handle would be Expedition Kristen Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the blog websites named?
2: So everything falls under that. So okay. my website is com, And then all of my social channels, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, are Expedition Kristen.
0: How often are you updating?
2: Um, depends on the channel. Okay. Instagram is nearly daily, okay. multiple times a day. Um, and then the other ones are a few times a week. Blog posts are currently at a twice a month cadence.
0: Are people still uh fascinated with blogs like they were before Facebook and Instagram became mm. such an addiction.
2: I would say yes and no. I think um in a lot of ways people just want the TikTok video like give mm. me the 5 seconds. Yeah. You literally have 3 seconds to get their attention otherwise they move on to the next one. Mm. So in a lot of ways people just want the quick really to the point video and they're done. But in other ways, I think when you're researching a place and you're really trying to plan a trip, you want a blog post to really get into it. And I talk about pros and cons and avoid this. And I think um, for planning bigger trips, that content is, is important.
1: Yeah. I'd say I, I use blogs. blog always for me when planning a trip or when looking up something specific sure. and it is nice to get that extra cause yeah, social media, like Instagram and I don't, I don't really do the, the TikToks, but those You're places not I'm not, no, not a TikToker. Um, but yeah, that's good for small bits of information. Mm-hmm. small to medium, and you know, entertainment. I feel like there's and stuff, no but, real
0: information on TikTok. It's just, are you entertained or are you not? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So the blog, I mean, blogs are really great places to go, especially for yeah, those those the, the travel tips, the what to do, what not to do, and you know, uh, to me, something that I always find interesting is it's kind of a fine line. And as somebody that like I too like to you know share the places that I go with an audience, but it's always when I myself am planning to go on a trip, I do like to do research and to kind of know what to expect and make my plan. But there's also that element of discovery that can in today's world, when every single thing, you know, we have the the location on Google Maps and 100 pictures to go with it, that you can kind of lose that sense of discovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever think about that with your work that like, do you ever like not share things because you want to leave them a surprise to people or is that something that you?
2: Um, I wouldn't say I, I, I wouldn't share them because I want to leave them as a surprise to other people. But I will say on the flip side of that, I have had moments where I've seen so many photos and I've read so much about mm-hmm. it that when I get there, it's disappointing. Yeah, And, and that's a real bummer when you're like, this, this is cool, like this view is beautiful or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But that photo I saw that was probably really edited in Photoshop made me think that this was going to be like way better. Yeah. And that's a bummer when you can lose some appreciation because you've just seen too much already.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of your, let's do favorite destinations that you've experienced in Minnesota? And then- Some of your worst ones. (laughs) (laughs) You choose which Mm. one we're going to start with. I
1: didn't tell you to prepare any of (laughs) your worst ones.
2: (laughs) Favorites. Um, I would would easily have to say the Boundary Waters. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unlike any place I've ever been in the world. And um, fun fact, Natalie and I went together (laughs) last year. It was our very first time. Mm -hmm. And we went with two other women who were very, very knowledgeable and experienced. And um, experiencing that together with... This group of women was just fantastic. Perfect weather. Yeah. Perfect private island for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And just. What did
1: you think? So we were in the same canoe. So we had, you know, four girls. So two canoes. What did you think when we were paddling out like that first day? Was it what you expected? Was it different? That I would say was better. Like it's just so. Ridiculously beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we heard loons constantly. Just our, we had this private island where we could see the sunrise and the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, the group of women that we were with were just so much fun and so knowledgeable. And um, that blew my expectations.
1: Yeah. yeah. I felt it was about nice that. too. Cause we were there. It was almost exactly a year ago, a little bit more though. Or it was maybe it was early June. Yeah. It was in June sometime. So it was on the earlier side for up there. We had perfect weather. It was, a little bit buggy though, and I know it can that get worse. My next question: <laughs> We had some skeeters that you know were well fed while we were there. Let's yeah. just say that, but that was nice. We we kind of took that into account, and we did find a campsite that was very exposed. So, mm-hmm. um, any of the breeze that did come through, it was you know super rocky, like in a pretty high, you know, up off of the water. So, mm-hmm. there was a couple mornings that were like a little tough. Like there was a couple. I, I'm an early riser, and I always like to like get up you know, when the sun is rising or a little bit before and like go down to the water and you know, have my quiet time and stuff. And there was a couple, we were sharing a tent, right? We yeah. were sharing a tent, but you yeah. got, you
2: were up like two
1: hours before me. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think I slept through that. <laughs> but I think that there was one or two mornings that I got up, unzipped the tent. I got like my journal and my devotional and went down to the water And like four minutes later went back to the tent (laughs) tent tent because it was like, I can't do this right now, but overall it was pretty good. And I mean, we had a ton of fun up there. It was really cool doing that in in a girl's trip too. I don't know if, if either of the other two women we were with had done it in, in a girl's trip, but it was, it was really just fun from start to finish. What was your highlight of our trip up there? My highlight, um, hmm. I mean, so, so much of of it. it, mm -hmm. What was yours? My highlight was cooking at the end of the evening together as a group, specifically those banana boats. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is one of my creations. So I'm, of course, probably more excited about it than everybody else. But um, we celebrated a birthday up there. So made these little like, uh, this isn't my idea, by the way. I found this. hey, Hey, go figure. I think I found this on a blog. So there you go. But you take a banana and you slice through it only through the top peel so you kind of take it like let's say it looks like a smiley face right you cut through the top of it but you don't go through the bottom peel you kind of open it up and you fill it with like you can do chocolate nuts marshmallows I think I had like coconut flakes you put tin foil all around it and throw it on top of the fire Mm. and it melts and gets all ooey gooey and you peel it open we probably had it on there for like maybe 20 minutes or so and you scoop it out with a spoon, it is the most, mm-hmm. deli- it tastes like a banana split, but you don't have the ice cream. And didn't we stick a candle in it? We stuck some candles in yeah, it. Yeah, for the birthday girl. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, those type of things. I mean, it's not, and it's not about the food as always, but it's just about that, like that community feeling. You've had a hard day of paddling, been moving or, you know, mm-hmm. tired in the best of ways and getting those moments. And I think, I mean, that's what's so special for so many people. And I'm sure you've experienced this too, Travis, about the boundary watch. It's like, there aren't distractions. You don't have... The, nobody's got their phones, hopefully, anymore. I don't know. You I was don't so have, bummed when
0: they put up enough towers for yeah. my friends and I to get signal.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a shame. It is. But in any case, there's no TVs. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, should we go to this place or that place? There's no activities. It's like, okay, the four of us or the six of us or the two of us, we're right here right now. And the the conversations that you have and... Yeah, just that like experience of just being there with people is like always what you know stands out to me with camping anywhere.
0: Well, I was just there uh, two and a half weeks ago, I think, mm-hmm. or three weeks ago now, and I don't know that we dug into this much on the last show. Maybe we did, but that was a big topic of conversation for us at night. Us, we've been going same group of guys now for twenty plus years, and we're at a point now where we can start bringing our children with, and it was the the conversation was really about like, you know, some wanted to come in in a different route potentially because then it wouldn't be quite as much portaging and some of the challenges would be a little easier. Mm -hmm. Some were in the mindset of, I want to make sure that my kids know that sometimes the best things are really hard earned, Mm -hmm. you know, so I want them to take this trip the way that we've done it to bust our butt through portaging Mm -hmm. or wherever it might be. So that they know that they can accomplish it and then they see how great it is. So I don't want to take them to a different place that might be closer and easier and and less time. I want them to have the freedom to be away from civilization and technology for several days and skip rocks and find crayfish and, you know, catch their own dinner and clean their own dinner. And we do it together and even read a paper
1: map. Yeah, Can you yeah. believe that? Read a paper <laughs> we map. We loved our compasses up there. <laughs> yes, like, it was so great. Yeah. There was
0: this, I think, a Boy Scout group. We're sitting on our island at our campsite, and we we're looking out, and there's three canoes come up, and they were all, let's say, like 13-year-old boys. And then there was a canoe with two adult dads in it, mm-hmm. and they were just sitting back in their canoe. All, all three of the other canoes came together, and they were all trying to figure out the paper map. And mm-hmm. the dads probably knew where they were going, mm-hmm. but they didn't say anything. They stood about 25 yards behind them, not paddling, just listening and, mm-hmm. and watching and letting the kids mm. learn together. That's great. That's, that's awesome. It's so important. And yeah. I, I think, you know, for me, I left knowing there's a time and a place to bring my kids up there to experience that kind of thing. And I don't want to force them to go too early because I don't want to burn out and be like, that was awful. Bugs, all yeah. that work. But also, like my oldest, he's ready for that kind of adventure. And I don't want to deprive him of that. If I don't Mm -hmm. show him that, who's going to? It might maybe nobody will. So it's important to me to share these kind of things. And I'm I'm glad that you you girls (laughs) went up there and I'm I'm like we've been meaning to talk about your trip for a year now. I know. We haven't (laughs) done this. I need to like refresh
1: you probably, Kristen, you've probably been refreshing your memory on it a little bit more than I have. But Yeah. yeah, we I mean it's funny, like, you know, like what, what you remember isn't like the highlights is what you remember, like certain things, you know, either moments that were like really tough or really great. And I just like, when I think back on that trip again, it was just like pure fun. Mm-hmm. We like, even just like swimming in the water up there and like jumping, you know, off the, you know, super safe, not too high, but like rocks and into the water and just like. Cliff Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, like, no, I'm like two feet off the ground. It wasn't that much, but. Well, we jumped. But just, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. like. The the joy of it up there. And I think for us, too, is we went in in an area that I think we're expecting to see more people than we did because it's a fairly like, you know, straight shot and easy place to get to. And we saw like very few people. Maybe it was partly like being there early in the season, too. But, um, yeah, what I mean, what else stood out to you from our trip? Or also, like, what else would you share to people listening that are, you know, maybe thinking about going to the Boundary Waters or, or planning their first trip?
2: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. So to go back to what was my favorite part, it is really hard to pick. But I would say just the um, the wildlife that we saw. Yeah. The loons were everywhere. I mean, we were mm-hmm. just sitting in our canoes and they would swim around us and dive down. And just being so close to them was Fantastic! Mm -hmm. Um, So many bald eagles, uh, grouse walking around our Mm -hmm. camping our campsite. Just being around Mm -hmm. the nature like that in just such um, a beautiful, calm, uh, uninterrupted way was Mm -hmm. was my favorite part for sure. Yeah, yeah. But also what you were saying about your kids and wanting to get them in there and not deprive them of that opportunity. I kind of feel that way with my husband because he's from Minnesota, never been his. Family, they're not really big outdoors people. His friends are not really big outdoors camping people. And he's really intrigued by the Boundary Waters because of my trip and my blog and what I've written about it and um, some other bloggers that he's discovered on his own. And he really wants to go, and I think um, he doesn't have friends to go with. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, let's do it. You, yeah. you, you, If you're from Minnesota, you have to experience that. So mm-hmm. I'm excited that he wants to do it, and I feel like a responsibility to – to take him because I don't think he has other people to, to do that yeah. kind of a trip with. Yeah.
0: I think it's more attainable to do yes. than people think. Mm-hmm. So I was about to say after that. Yeah. doing it, the two of you, do you feel like it, you it's easier than you expected or what are more challenging to go in on a trip like that?
2: My my advice would be as a, a newbie who went for the first time last year, we worked with an outfitter that was a game changer because simply I didn't have the right mm-hmm. equipment last year. So to have not only the right equipment from an outfitter, but to have them be such experts on the map and say, great fishing here in this little tiny stream and great campsite here. And the way they marked up the map for us was instrumental, I think, in our trip Mm -hmm. being successful. Um, And then the other piece, of course, was having two women on our group who were very experienced in the Boundary Waters and could guide us. But if you don't have that, then I think working with an outfitter um, who can just get you in the right direction... It makes it so much more accessible. Yeah.
1: My experience was a little different because I f- somehow hadn't been to the Boundary Waters before, but I've camped quite a bit. So the whole, you know, the camping side of things, I felt, you know, it was right in my wheelhouse. But I, I'd say, and I've been up near the Boundary Waters many times, but it, you know, it's one of those things that as a Minnesotan who loves the outdoors and loves camping has always been, you know, on on. I've had this image of it in my mind forever, and I would say going there even though I had a lot of experience camping and had done kind of all the stuff we were doing many times before, I had this little piece of me that did think like boundary waters, you you know, you have to be super prepared for. And I think that's almost like growing up as a kid, thinking like, oh, it's this like far off distant place that, you know, I don't know, you have to have all this experience for. And I couldn't believe as we started paddling out, like some of the first campsites that were, that we saw that was like, you know, anyone with a little bit of prep, and a little bit of knowledge and equipment and again working through an outfitter like you can get to this campsite like you can make it work so that was something that for me was really encouraging as somebody like i myself like to try to make you know outdoors accessible and available as best i can or at least you know that the skill set available to people so seeing how it's like yeah i think most people could do this it was exciting for me to see you
0: have any bears in your campsite no no and no moose. We so did, I really We wanted took to all the see.
1: precautions, though. You know, we hung our food we did and we did all on, the yeah. things. But I had one walk no. by. Did you? Did yeah. you say hi? I woke
0: up to a noise at the middle of the night, like two a.m. or something, yeah. and I could just hear this it. trip. Yeah, and my buddies are snoring in the other camper, <laughs> or in the other uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, tent, and I, I actually had a smaller tent. I was by myself, and I could just hear this thing moving. And
1: did you know right away? Like, where you well,
0: went? I woke up to this noise, and then I was, you know, like startled awake. And then it was just like, what's going on? And it's quiet. It's dark. And I can just feel this thing. And I don't know for sure if it was a bear, but you know they've got that paw and they're very quiet when they walk. You could just feel it like moving along the side. And I kept thinking, what am I going to do if it like pokes its head in here? And then in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to punch it in the snout. Yeah. But is that really a good idea? Because now I've made the bear mad. Do I just let him kind of like nose around a little bit and walk? Because I felt like he was... Or she was within about five feet of my tent, maybe oh closer. Did you Did have
1: you, any kind of scented things or food or anything in your or... tent?
0: We're very good at fishing, Natalie. They smelt yeah. the fish. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was more than enough yeah. attractant yeah. at our campsite. Wow. We'll just yeah. say that. But Fair in over enough. twenty years, we've only had a bear come in one time. Yeah. So we were to the point where like. They don't even exist. You yeah, don't have yeah, to worry. Yeah. You know, and every year we go in the permit, get the permits, and they're like, yeah. oh, there's some bears over here at the campsites. And we're like, yeah. that's where we're going then because mm-hmm. I want to see a bear. See them. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyway, yeah. I didn't get up, and the noise like the, just kind of moved along. And I was like, <sighs> I fell back asleep. And the next morning I go, did anybody hear the bear in the campsite <laughs> last night, or was it just me? And then one of the guys, like, I heard something for yeah. sure. I didn't get out of the tent to look. I just let it go. I was like, yeah. I did the same thing. Anyway.
1: So we could talk about the Boundary Waters, I think, for like four more hours, but I know you came prepared with other places you'd recommend people visit in Minnesota this summer. So we've started with the Boundary Waters. Where are you taking us next?
2: So I would take you to a different kind of landscape and topography, which would be the Bluff region. Mm -hmm. um, another area had no clue that Minnesota had that kind of landscape, Mm -hmm. um, and have been there now a few different times to like the Red Wing area, Winona and La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, and it's just so interesting and it's so, so different. You're, you know, you're like driving around fields and then all of a sudden the landscape just changes in this really dramatic way. Yeah, And I think, uh, I think the Minnesota side is a little bit more interesting, but what's cool to do is to cross over to Wisconsin and then look at the Minnesota landscape, especially in the fall time. Yeah.
1: What types of activities when you go there do you like to do? Like I'm, I'm assuming you spend some time maybe in Red Wing or in the towns mm-hmm. and some time outside. Like what, what, yeah. what excites you in that yeah, region? Yeah, that's
2: kind of my typical blend is mm-hmm. like start off with a hike. Um, there's a lot of great hikes in that area through mm-hmm. through the bluff region. Any that you know by name? Yes. um, The Barn Bluff is the main one in Red Wing. Okay. And then Granddad Bluff Park is the one in La Crosse. Both are, I think, beautiful year-round, but, like, particularly stunning in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so, like, in Red Wing, that town is super cute. There's... Um, breweries are kind of like our thing. So we just love to always find the brewery in town and, you know, try a flight. And it just Mm -hmm. is a easy way to kind of introduce yourself to the locals and the town and Mm -hmm. the the atmosphere and energy. There's a winery, I think it's called Falcon, Falcon Winery or something like that in Red Wing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a beautiful park along the Mississippi River. You can just walk around there, grab some donuts at the bakery and bring it down to the park and um, a lot of great shops. One, one is called uh, Ufta, I think it's called. Oh, it's like super, right. yeah, yeah. super um, Scandinavian stuff, and yeah. um, just like really beautiful clothing and jewelry, and, and um, you know, plates and, and things like yeah. that. So, just a really fun town to walk
1: around. Do you know you recommended ideally fall? Does it get pretty? Does it get pretty busy there in the fall, or is it a place that you'd want to go? is it more of a weekend place or some more that you'd, if you can try to get there on like a Friday or Monday, or does it matter?
2: It depends on the energy you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, in La Crosse, we're already planning to go um, for Oktoberfest. So like, it's gonna be super fun and super beautiful, mm-hmm. but it will also probably be a zoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it depends on, you know, if you wanna go when it's less crowded, then don't go during one of those big events or mm-hmm. go on a weekday. But if you wanna experience that energy in the culture, then, you know, those events can be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. And how far, I'm trying to remember, how far is that drive if, if somebody lives in like the Twin Cities? It's like hour, two hours? Okay. Two hours? Yeah, about two yeah. hours. depends okay. on where
0: you're, what part of the city you're in. Yeah. So uh, probably
1: easy to do, of course, for a weekend, but even like depending on where you, where you live, if you are in the Twin Cities, it could be even a day trip.
2: Yeah, I did maybe. it for our day trip once with a, a friend. We just went early and spent the whole day there and came back around dinner dinnertime. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Has anyone, either of you two, been to Lanesboro?
2: I have not, but I've heard about it.
0: If you're going to do like a bed and breakfast getaway, it's maybe one of the cutest towns in Minnesota. Is it down in that that region? It is. Yeah. It's unbelievably beautiful. Yes. It's a tiny little town down there.
2: Yeah. I know my other blogger friends have been, so that's where I've seen it on Instagram, but I haven't been myself.
0: Really? I might have to put it on your expedition. (laughs) Is there a
1: specific bed and breakfast that we need to know about?
0: No. I'm not up. a blogger. Okay. I, am not, okay. <laughs> I just okay. have been there. I, love, I see yeah. Kristen
1: making notes right now. I can't wait to like in a month see this. I don't up remember on Expedition details very well. yeah. I
0: don't remember names very well. Yeah. i
1: sorry. All good. Yeah. That's what we have Kristen for. <laughs>
0: I'll um, figure it out. <laughs> cool. So
1: the Bluff region. Yeah. And I love that we, we started off at the very far north side mm-hmm. and almost at the opposite side of the state. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's on our list. What do you have next? Well, then I would take you over to the
2: southwest corner which again, I think, I think it's so interesting how the landscape changes, mm-hmm. um, so, so much across Minnesota, but in, um, Laverne, have you guys ever been there? Yeah. La- Laverne, it has the uh, blue mound state park, which okay. is mostly prairie, lots of tall golden, beautiful grasses, especially mm-hmm. around the evening light. Um, And then there's bison in that state park. And I think bison are just so cool. So that's a beautiful place to camp and explore. Um, And then there is a little town in there that has like a drive-in movie theater, Mm -hmm. brewery. That's a theme. I like breweries. Um, A little like drive up um, ice cream and burger joint. And just like a
1: you feel like you're walking into the 50s or 60s in that town. So if somebody wants to experience the bison, what do they need to do? Where do they? Is it? where would they go are there hiking paths through it or there are there are trails Mm -hmm. um and you're like
2: more likely to see them in some areas but you know nothing is guaranteed because Mm -hmm. they're there's hundreds of acres that they're roaming so it's not like you know a fenced-in area that you walk up to if you really want to see them then you should go to mankato Mm -hmm. um i'm blanking on the name of that state park right now
0: i know what you're talking about i'll find it here in a second
2: so, did you tell us about your experience? You got to see them when you were there. I did, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I went with uh, that was actually another gross Miniopa. Miniopa. Okay. that mm-hmm. one's really that. fun if you just like want to guarantee that you'll see bison mm-hmm. because you just drive through it. Um, it should take you like five minutes, and there are, I don't know twenty or thirty of them. So you stay in your car the whole time, but mm-hmm. very cool to get some photos of them and get really close. And then you can hop over to the other side of the park and hike around and there's um, a beautiful waterfall. Wow. Yeah. But at, in Laverne, um, that was, I went with like 20 women on this uh, camping trip and mm-hmm. that was, I didn't know anybody except the woman who was leading it. And that was just super fun. We just um, spent a lot of time in the park, camped in there. And then um, one evening went into town for that
1: brewery and the drive-in movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, first time seeing a bison, what was your thought? Was it bigger than you expected? Different?
2: I think the first time I saw a bison, Mm -hmm. I was in sixth grade in Yellowstone. Um, but seeing them so close at Miniopa was very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. It's kind of startling. (laughs) I have
0: a, I have a, uh, bison, sorry. We're in Custer State Park Mm -hmm. a couple, two years ago. Um, and my kids were, we had, we were at a campsite and we were camping and my kids had their bikes. So we've been biking and all of a sudden cash my youngest. So at the time he would have been five. Um, uh, we, there were some bison that had moved into the area and there was this old wooden fence. I mean, you could just hop just a little bit and you could clear it mm-hmm. if you wanted to jump over the top of it. And here he is, there's a bison eating the grass underneath that fence. And he's propping himself up with the bike on the fence, looking at this. So he's within like two and a half feet of this giant animal. And at any moment, if it wanted to, it could have just ran right through that little rickety fence and Mm -hmm. trampled my son. And I went up there as calmly as I could and grabbed him and we just... Turned and wow. we biked away, but he was within arm's reach of that. And out there, you know, I mean, they're just roaming through. Wow.
1: Yeah. But they're
0: such a big animal. Yeah. They're so cool. They yeah. I've so
1: never cool. seen one. I don't quite know how. Maybe in I don't know. Yeah, no. But right up there, I was going to say the one animal that I haven't seen that I don't know how I haven't seen yet, and I'm just like aching to is a moose. A moose. And I have now, you know, I've spent plenty of times in areas with it. Even when I went on a big camping trip in Alaska, we saw moose tracks everywhere. One morning, kid you not, a foot and a half outside of our tent in the morning, fresh moose tracks.
0: And it was just like and I
1: slept so hard every night (laughs) on that trip. But it was just like and everybody knew on this trip. We were up there for a month. Everybody knew that I just really wanted to see a moose. And it was like, more tracks, more tracks. And never saw one. So I'm new. Where do you think I'm gonna see them?
0: It, it, you're gonna have to change your handle from Natty up north to Natty out west.
1: Yeah, okay. and you'll start Fair seeing
0: enough. bison and moose.
1: The rebrand is happening. You yeah, heard it here. No, first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: okay. Cool. Yeah. Where do you have next? Well, I chose um, Duluth. Now, there's a couple. There's a caveat to that. Mm-hmm. I think like Duluth is amazing, and everybody knows Duluth, obviously. Mm-hmm. But one specific thing I really wanted to call out was Park Point Beach, which. I am kind of discovering is a little bit lesser known. It's Mm -hmm. on Canal Point, so you cross over the lift bridge, get onto that little uh, little island, and then you drive out to the very, very end of it. And the reason it's so fascinating for me is because it reminds me so much of the beaches I grew up on on Long Island. Oh, I bet, yeah. And my mom was here last fall, and I took her up to Duluth for the weekend, and and we drove out there, and it's like. Sandy beaches, so it's not your normal North Shore rocks and agates and all that. It's, mm-hmm. like, really sand, and it's a light white color. There's tall grasses. Uh, there's, like, dunes. There's a, fences that hold the sand in place, which is all over Long Island beaches. There were seagulls. Yeah, uh, There were shells. The, of course, the waves are crashing from Lake Superior. And it was just, like, this moment of this feels like the beaches I went to on Long Island. I feel really at home here.
1: Yeah, I can totally. So I've been there, I think just once before, but it was in very late October. So it was like, and it was windy and it was cold. I think there was like a little bit of like icy rain too, but it was just, so one of my girlfriends and I went, I think we were, I forget, I've done so many trips up there, but we were somewhere North on the North Shore and we were just passing through Duluth. But I'll say one thing driving out there, I don't know if you had this experience, but we kind of felt like maybe we were going, you're you're driving kind of through neighborhoods on the way out there. So after you go under the lift bridge, so it kind of feels like, I remember we thought like we, we didn't know if we were going the right way or not. So I'd say that to anyone listening, if you're like headed out there and you're like, this doesn't feel quite right. Just keep going and you'll find it. But we were the only two people on the beach and you talk about like out east, it was cold, it was super windy and that like, that was a hundred percent our experience too. But even I'd say, even though we weren't trying to like swim or, you know, sit on the beach or anything, just like walking along the beach, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it does feel very different actually than the other you know, beaches or the other places that you can get on the water up there.
2: Yeah, it, it is so strange and it, it's interesting because then that's how like the Wisconsin side of it turns into mm-hmm. a lot of sand on that side. But even what you just described is like, the, I did that so many times at the ocean growing up as a kid. Like we would just wear sweatshirts and sweaters and hats and go to the ocean and bundle up. Mm-hmm. And just to be in that space and listening to the waves crashing and put your feet in the sand is really... Um, Really powerful. Yeah. I just miss the salt air. That's the only thing yeah, that was missing. I <laughs> but, you know,
1: no sharks, so yeah. you win some, you lose some. Yeah, I no, no kidding. Although, yeah. technically, there could be. The Great Lakes <laughs> are, every once in a while. are just,
0: like, they are so amazing that they we're are. just so spoiled that we have them. That yeah. It's ama- I mean, I, it's one of the most popular destinations, hands down, and that's why. I mean, there's yeah. so much to love when you just stand there and take it in. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, you know, because I grew up by water, I... I grew up sailing. I grew up as a lifeguard at the beaches. I love water. Like for my mental health, it's just, I love being by it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I didn't realize kind of going full circle back to the start of this conversation, I didn't realize how much water was in the middle of our country. Yeah, There's so much water here Mm -hmm. and I need that really to like be happy and be at peace and Um, I go to the lakes all the time, like just pop over after work with my dog. We go swimming, jump in the lake, um, all the time. And I, I can't imagine living somewhere that didn't have water Mm -hmm. and how lucky are we to have so many,
1: so many beautiful lakes. Yeah. You know, along these lines, I hope I'm not derailing your list of destinations too much, but I know that you love kayaking, which Mm -hmm. is something that we share. Where's your favorite place in Minnesota to kayak? Mm. Do I want to share that? Oh, okay. <laughs> you can give a, a region or you can make it. Big. Yeah. You know
2: what I will say? I think I'll keep that a little bit of a secret, uh-huh. but I like to find places that aren't popular mm-hmm. because I don't really like to work hard when I kayak. Mm-hmm. I like to kind of float mm-hmm. and just have like a really peaceful time and um, bring some snacks and bring a drink and just like watch the birds and so I, I usually find like kind of unknown places, yeah. Um, and maybe that's a little greedy, but I think I'll that's keep those keep those secret yeah. for myself. You're not going <laughs> in the, the rapids
1: on any major rivers yeah. or anything no, like that. No, and
2: I mean I love you know there's lots of popular lakes like um, um, Baday Macaskie and that whole area yeah. is beautiful. But when I want to just like go by myself and have a really relaxing couple hours, I'll find the less popular places. Yeah. Have
0: you ever been to Taylor's Falls? Yes, kayaking.
1: Yeah, no, actually, no. I haven't kayaked. Only hiking in the area. So that's where I, do you where do you kayak there?
0: Uh, trying to remember. I again, I don't know my yeah. names and details very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <I> know, <laughs> I'm no good yeah. here. I just know that <laughs> that's beautiful over there. Yeah, the Saint Croix
1: on the Minnesota side. Yeah, you can get in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, there's I
0: also a rafting. We've done a couple of rafting mm-hmm. stories down the Saint Croix as well. So, when
1: even the uh, is it a paddle boat? Is that what it's called? Uh, no, with the the boat those Help like giant ferry yeah. things? ferries the, pa-
0: the paddle pub on Lake Minnetonka. No, no. They, they, oh
1: yeah, that's the one that I was talking about. Know? <laughs> <laughs> what are those you can do trips on those ferries? Yes, yeah. I know those giant white ones, yeah, with which red I think is a, probably is, you know fun activity for families and stuff. Yeah. I actually did it as a field trip as a kid. Oh cool. But, you know, if you're in that area. that's a great and that's yeah, that's close to here too, or not too far. Do we have
0: another one?
2: No, because um Red Wing and Lacrosse I actually combined. Gotcha. With my list of
1: five, Can't yeah, forget about Lake. do
0: you have a favorite destination that you <laughs> want to add to this list?
1: My favorite destination in Minnesota—I mean, has they've probably been listed, but I would say my go-to when I like need my just like need to take a, a day or an evening or whatever to just get some fresh air and get outdoors, going along the North Shore. And I kind of—I always have my routine where I stop in Duluth. I get Betty's a, pie. No, but I go to Northern Water Smokehouse and I okay. get the Cajun fin. I, I may have talked about this on the podcast Uh-oh. before. No. I feel like I talk about it all the time. So Northern Water Smokehouse, no affiliation, but it's uh yeah, it's a um like deli and they smoke their own meats and fish and stuff. And it's right in Canal Park and they have, I think it's probably one of their most, they've got a great menu, but I always get the Cajun fin. So it's like the smoked sandwich, salmon sandwich. And that's my routine. And then I drive north. And really my favorite, it's certainly not a hidden gem. Many people know about it. There's so many places to stop along Lake Superior up there. But I have a soft spot for Temperance Falls. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. So
1: that, I mean, certainly in the fall, but really any time of year. There's something about it. It's like in ways it's the the actual hike is in certain places, less epic than some of the other hikes up there. You don't necessarily have like the huge cliffs of like Palisade Head and things like that, but there's something about it. I mean, there's, there's rivers, there's, you know, waterfalls and stuff. And it just feels like, it just feels like an escape to me. And it feels so peaceful, which I guess kind of goes along with the name, but I think that's one that's easy to miss. Even like the parking lot that's like right off the left of the road. If you're, if you're driving North It can, it's like not super well marked. There's not like the huge sign like there is for, you know, split rock lighthouse or something. But if people are driving north along the, along the North shore, it's a good one to check out. Yep. How about you? Um, I don't
0: have a favorite. I mean, I, the boundary waters has been a tradition, like I mentioned for as long as I can remember. Uh, You know, a lot of my trips are fishing and hunting related. Mm -hmm. So I just north, I tend to go north and there's something special about the woods. There's also something special about just having a place that you can go to. I was fortunate one of my my dad's parents after they moved off the farm they retired on a lake up uh, north of Brainerd and I remember everything about that place Mm -hmm. and I spent so much time up there with my grandparents and it was like we kept going back you know so now my wife and I we found a a pretty small family run resort Mm -hmm. on a lake up north and we've this will be our third year going back to it. And we just have fallen in love with that place and we're starting to create those memories that we return to again Mm -hmm. and again. And I think it's, you know, if you have the means and the ability to do it, to carve out that time and find that place for you. And it it might be a 200 acre lake in the Northwoods somewhere or, you know, but just like you can come back again. Yeah, And I think that's what we're trying to create. But even yesterday morning, my, my son was already talking. He's like, dad, when we go up, to the lake this summer mm. can we get up early in the morning again and go fish just you and I mm. and I'm like of course
1: buddy hearts just tripling That's all I, know, <laughs> I
0: know so like those are already sinking in yeah. for so cool. him and it obviously yeah. is for me and I was fortunate to have a place so I think there's no better time than now to find one of those wherever it yeah. might be for you or for your family to just Try to return to again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kristen, t- two things really that stood out, you know, to me in the, the last 45 minutes or so is number one, that several of the destinations that you chose are south of the Twin Cities. And obviously the Twin Cities are my mm-hmm. reference point. We know those of you listening, many of you aren't from the Twin Cities, but I think often we do get, I don't know if it's a Minnesota thing or what, but we get drawn north and it's because we have so much to offer up there. But I think it's a really good reminder that there are a lot of great places to visit in the the south part of the state. And then another thing, and this probably goes a lot without saying, of course, for all of us in this room and for most of our listeners, but when we think about like getting away, planning a trip somewhere, maybe planning a family trip, we have so much right here. And that's like exactly what, you know, the work that you do is about, but we don't need to get, you know, on an airplane or drive to another state or drive, you know, 15 hours away, just right here in Minnesota, even if it's 45 minutes or an hour from where somebody might be living you can go there, you can spend a couple nights and have an experience that's both memorable for you and the family and that feels like you're getting, you know, really far away. So I think it's a good reminder that there's so much to offer us right here and how fortunate we are. Now
0: that would have been just a great wrap-up for the show, Natalie, but we, yeah. she didn't answer my question about what's <laughs> the worst place. Oh, no, you know oh, yeah. I, I was <laughs> hoping you forgot. I no, did, I, I did. was like, oh, good, no, he moved on from that. I forget names and <laughs> <laughs> details, but I don't forget that yeah. kind of Shoot. question.
2: Well, okay. I was thinking, and I I can't think of like one specific town where I was like, "This place is just terrible." The armpit. Yeah, no, right. Nothing came like that. Um, although it's funny you say that, because being from Long Island, the joke is that New Jersey is the armpit of Long oh, Island because yeah. of how it's shaped. Um, so I thought that's what you're referencing for mm-hmm. a second, but. You know, I would say, um, and this is just for myself to like keep things exciting and fresh, is that there's a period of time last year where I felt like the content I was creating was the same. It was Mm -hmm. like, here's a cool mural, here's a cool brewery, here's a cool hike, copy and paste. Mm -hmm. And I was getting bored with it. So that's a challenge for me is to like keep finding those hidden gems, keep finding just because they're out there. There's amazing stories, amazing people, unique businesses, um, and to just keep looking for them because it can feel redundant when you're like producing so much content all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, you just got to keep looking for those real gems.
0: That's a good reminder for us, too, because I run into the same thing with television. It's like, I feel like we just are changing the name, but we're. You know, mm-hmm. add a different name, but it's still the same story. And to try to find the the really unique things that are out there or people, mm-hmm. they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. They really are. Any valuable lessons that you've taken away from this three-year journey that you've created a business and, and traveled all over the place?
2: Yes. And it it is a hard one to admit, um, but I think being a transplant here, I judged too quickly. And I still find myself doing that sometimes where I'll say like, do I really want to go there? You know, like, Mm -hmm. is this going to be any fun? And I repeatedly have a good time, you know, and maybe it's not always like that was the most amazing wild time, but it was interesting or I learned something or, um, I experienced something that I didn't even know existed right in our own backyard. And I just have to keep that in mind for myself is to, um, you know, there's a reason why people live in mm-hmm. these towns. There's community, and I, and I just have to really make sure that I always stay open-minded because um, I can be a little bit quick to judge sometimes, and that's mm-hmm. probably been my biggest lesson. Awesome,
0: It's a good lesson.
1: So we are just about out of time, but before we let listeners go and you go, remind us, where can we find you? Pretty much Expedition Kristen is the name
2: of every social channel, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. And Facebook. And then my website is expeditionChristen.com, And I have a, a monthly newsletter that drops that you can sign up for on the website.
0: Awesome. Very cool. A lot of ideas there for people to consider. And hopefully you do consider that and you go on one of these expeditions yourself because it's no better time than right now to do it. Right, Natalie? Right. Looking yeah. forward to it. All right. Are we done here?
1: I think we're done here. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: We'll be back. Next time with another episode of the Do North Outdoors podcast.